You're listening to Heart Sounds, TCTMD's award-winning podcast hosted by Shelley Wood. Hello and welcome to the Heart Sounds podcast for January 2023. I am your host, Shelley Wood, Managing Editor at TCTMD, where we have had a surprisingly busy month. Lots of controversial studies and analyses and decisions have been making headlines over the last few weeks. We've also had some great meeting coverage of the ICIT and STS meetings. If endovascular care or cardiovascular surgery are your jam, I hope you'll check that out. For the first podcast of 2023, however, you are in for a treat. It has become a recurring interlude on Heart Sounds for me to do some one-on-one interviews with cardiovascular specialists who also work in the arts. This month, my guest is Joanna Chikwe. Dr. Chikwe is the Irina and George Schaefer Distinguished Chair in Cardiac Surgery at the Schmidt Heart Institute at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center. She is also the Editor-in-Chief at the Annals of Thoracic Surgery, a post she assumed last year. What you may not know about her, however, is that she is also an accomplished artist and musician. I spoke with Dr. Chikwe about drawing, music, and finding time for creativity in a wide-ranging conversation towards the end of last year, which is why you'll hear us talking a little bit unseasonably about Christmas gifts. Some of her advice, I think, has the ring of resolutions about it, making it the perfect antidote to a cold and grey January. Let's have a listen. Thank you so much for joining me on the Heart Sounds podcast. I don't know if some of our listeners already know this about you, but for my part, I only realized recently that you actually had studied art earlier in your career. Can we start there? Maybe tell us a little bit about how you made the decision early on to, because I'm guessing it was a bit of a a trade-off trying to decide between medicine or art. Take us back to earlier when you're trying to carve a pathway for yourself. So it was never a trade-off. I knew I wanted to be a surgeon from, I think the first time I wrote it down in a textbook at school was I was six. I didn't even know at that point you needed to go to medical school to be a surgeon. And when people ask why, my response is, who knows why six-year-olds say the things they do? Um, None of my family were physicians. That said, I wasn't a natural scientist. I've always found science hard work. Um, What I was good at was arts, literature and art. I always loved painting. I used to spend hours and hours and hours drawing and painting. The only thing I would do more than that was read. I read voraciously. And I think it's fascinating that as we go through life, some of the things that we're passionate about as children and adolescents disappear off the radar. So it's it's extraordinary to me how little I read compared to how much I used to read. Um, and it was also quite sad to me when I look, suddenly looked back and realized that I hadn't picked up a pencil or a paintbrush, um, frankly, in years. And the studying art came about because I secured a place at medical school when I was 17, which was a bit early. So I decided to take a year out um, and travel. And my original proposal to my parents was that I wanted to go to, um, I got a place on a volunteer um, team to go to, I think it was Mali and teach English. And they were completely appalled and horrified and thought it was dangerous and came up with the idea of why didn't I go to Florence and study Renaissance art? 
So I did that for a year instead. And it was just one of the most amazing experiences I think I've ever had. Um, I learned Italian while I was there very fast because at that age you acquire languages quite quickly. But what was more transformative for me was learning the vocabulary of art history. Um, I didn't know much about classical art um, and the Renaissance before I went there and spending a year living surrounded by this, the remnants of this extraordinary cultural um, transformation was actually quite life-changing. Wow, that's amazing. I wasn't sure when I first saw that you'd gone to art school in Florence, if it had been the practice of art or learning art history. So was it both or? So it was very, very much focused on history of art. So that's really getting a deep understanding of how artists work, what influenced them, how they influenced others. And it's almost like studying sort of evolution. Um, it's it was just quite wonderful. And we sort of started back in Mesopotamian Egypt and worked all the way up to the present day over the course of the year. But about half of the time um, was really spent understanding how ancient Greek, Roman, Etruscan arts um, essentially flourished, disappeared and was rediscovered really around the two or 300 miles around Florence and how that informed the cultural renaissance that happened between sort of 13 to 1500. Um, and how that influences much of the architecture, sculpture, and visual language that surrounds us today. I have always been self-taught in terms of artwork. Um, my sister's a professional artist. Um, she's extraordinarily talented. And I think maybe one of the reasons I didn't pursue art more seriously was she was 18 months younger than me. You could always see that she was always going to be the better of the two of us. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was the novelist Margaret Atwood who was sitting beside a cardiovascular surgeon at a dinner. I'm she's probably gonna she's not gonna listen to this podcast happily, but never and, know. <laughs> and he turned to her and said, Oh, I'm thinking about writing a novel when I retire. And she turned to him and said, Oh, interesting. I'm thinking about taking up surgery when I retire. As if having an artistic life is something that you could do as a hobby on the side after you that's such a great observation. So Seeing what my sister has devoted to developing her skills and insights, if it wasn't clear from that, that the, the, just the sheer amount of effort, emotional investment, investment of time, higher level of training required, I think people don't quite appreciate it. That people feel it's just as you say, like writing, because people can pick up, anyone can pick up a pencil and draw. People believe that, well, if I just spent a few more hours a day doing this, I, I could be excellent. And it, it's actually, it's it's a lot more than that. It's like learning an instrument. It is hundreds of thousands of hours of investment of time and effort, and it doesn't always deliver. So, so there's that piece of it. And more recently, um, I had the chance to talk to a integrated thoracic surgery resident called Sarah Chen, she's at Johns Hopkins. And she's also an artist as well as a surgeon. And she's done what, in retrospect, I, I really sort of wish I'd thought about doing which she's done two master's degrees in professional illustration and again that just really sort of underlines the huge amount of formal training time and effort that it takes to take somebody from a gifted amateur to doing something that is truly a, a level of excellence um, that can change how people look at the world. Being an artist in any form does take work. It takes discipline and it, it takes struggle and toil and, and it takes emotional investment, as you say. So partly what I'm I'm curious about is whether you still turn to art, to drawing, to that in some other form, to balance the incredible professional life that you have as a surgeon as well. Does it play a role in your life now? It doesn't, and it 
hasn't and it, it's all the way through uh, medical school and jobs it was a question that people would ask they were always very curious why did you do art how does it inform or change your approach to medicine and I got very used to saying really there was a zero connection it doesn't make me a more renaissance physician it doesn't give me a incredible insight into how to help visualize and explain things to people. It was just a joy to do. It was a different part of your brain. It's like flexing a different muscle. It's a bit like going for a trail run or flying. It's just a completely joyful, different experience that I, I think it's really important in life to find an ex a creative, expressive outlet. And we can lose that. And I think that part of the downside of this huge amount of time we now spend looking at social media or TV or quick culture is that it takes away from that time that we used to spend inside our own minds and drawing, painting, reading. That's really special time where you're creating an internal world at your own pace. And I think that's a, a really important mental muscle that we lose at quite a cost. Yeah, I would agree. I often think about life as um, the time I have. It's a, it's a pie and you take out one piece of pie and that's the time you spend cooking and eating. And then there's the professional piece and then there's the artistic piece. And if you use your sort of social media piece of pie up, you don't get to use that then for art. There's only so many pieces of pie and that life is divided that way. And unless you sacrifice one of them, you quit your job or you stop sleeping, whatever it is, that piece ends up, the, the artistic piece, the hobby piece, the creative piece, I think to some extent is the one that gets canceled because the others have to take priority and it's a shame. So you dodged my question then, because do you have, <laughs> is there, does your pie have any time left for artistic endeavor? Do you prioritize that or have you just, had to put it aside at this stage in your career? So here's the thing, up until um, I would say two weeks ago, the answer was my pie had no time for the artistic en endeavor. And the thing that caused me to go, okay, Chickweed, this you have to fix. This, this is sad. It's, it's really sad that much as you enjoy your professional life and you want to sort of devote all of your time and energy to it this is very sad that you've lost that what used to be such a, a huge part of your thinking and the conversation that pulled me up sharp was actually a chat with a fellow chair the chair of psychiatry um at cedars who literally asked me so what do you do in your spare time and usually you kind of sort of get away with the glib answer of all i like to run but he was making me go through what i spend my spare time doing and i kind of realized that my spare time is just an extension of my work life I love running a journal I love organizing meetings I love 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 writing science and manuscripts I, I could spend and do spend hours writing and editing other people's writing the discovery part of science is kind of like the creative buzz I used to get when you could see a drawing coming together so almost that has what's replaced the drawing but I did suddenly think you know what it would be wonderful to rediscover that. So the first thing I went out and did was get a piano because I haven't played piano for years and I, I used to play, I'm not going to say well, but fairly seriously. I started when I was four, so I used to play the violin. And I, as I was thinking about music, I, I remember how much I used to love that whole feeling of when a drawing comes together, it's very similar to when you play in an orchestra and you've been playing on your own and then you start playing just with your section. And in the moment when all the sections come together and you get that sudden symphonic sound again it's that kind of heart-stopping piece of joy that I used to love and you suddenly realize you miss so 
this is a, again very long-winded answer to your question I decided that what I'm going to do, and it's partly inspired by this resident that I mentioned, was go back to drawing. When I wrote my first textbook, I drew all the illustrations. They were just line drawings. And I rediscovered some of my anatomy notes. And I think what I'm going to do is do more technical drawing, because partly because the journal that I edit needs illustrations. And I think it's it's very easy for me to do them. But I'm saying that easy with a caveat that I really appreciate the technical training and professionalism that's required to get them up to the right level so my goal is to try and do that over the next few years so you might be seeing me tweet some early attempts I don't think they're actually going to get into the journal but uh, that's what I'm going to try and do to rediscover that kind of creative piece. I do like the idea I've said it twice I think that this is a muscle that you do need to keep strong you need to work at but I think as we go on in life, it's it's actually quite lovely to be learning something new, that feeling of working at something, whether you were accomplished at it in the past or um, it's, it's something new that people are taking up. But, you know, never mind the piece of like, oh, empathy with patients or it's helping me connect more with my, you know, people do say that with an artistic endeavor that they do alongside medicine. It's often assumed that somehow this will make them more human, that they're doing these other things. But I think it's valid that at a personal level, working hard at something like that, building up that muscle again, does give personal um, sense of accomplishment that is its own its own reward in many ways. What would you um, like people to know about your efforts in this? Are they going to be, I mean, are you going to be giving uh, drawings, line drawings as Christmas gifts to people? Or, no, that's a terrible example. No, no, it isn't terrible. That is probably exactly what I'm going to do this year. And so two things have forced me into that. Like normally I, I you know, you'll, you'll send a bottle of something nice to all of the great people that have helped you do the things that you've done, certainly at work and outside. And I, I always think every year, oh, it's hard because not everybody wants a bottle of wine, you know, that sort of thing. So this year I thought in the context of it, there's a pretty challenging financial environment um, and a, a real sort of need not to spend anything other than thoughtfully. Drawings are free. People generally treasure them. I might just send everybody line drawings instead of the obligatory um, holiday bottle of alcohol. So that's one aspect. And the second aspect was that one of the things that got most people excited in terms of posts on social that I've made has not been incredible videos of amazing things that are happening in a cardiac operating room or amazing patient stories, which is the sort of thing that I would assume people would be interested to see. It was four sketches that I did when I was at medical school of anatomy. And I think people are just fascinated by the creative process. And so what I thought I might do is actually show from a blank piece of paper to a finished sketch, my attempts over the next few months to sort of redevelop this muscle, because um, it just might be interesting. It m might satisfy some curiosity out there. So that's yeah. what you, you may see. Okay, well, I'm glad I stumbled across that one. I'm thinking people will listen to this podcast and they'll be a little daunted by how accomplished you are if they aren't already. You've, you've mentioned piano, you've mentioned violin, you've mentioned drawing. What about for people who haven't done these in the past or have never thought of themselves as creative people? Do you have any pearls of wisdom? Because I'm of the belief that attempting something creative has its own value, even if you are not successful at it. And maybe having been successful, you're not the best person to ask this question. But people may see your drawings on Twitter. They may wonder if there's any value in it for them. 
Any thoughts? I think of the things where I haven't been successful. I've spent maybe 45 years trying to learn Spanish and failing. Um, I would love to be able to play jazz piano. I was classically trained and I still cannot, cannot convincingly sit down at a piano and play jazz, which is what I would love to do. And I would love to learn calculus. I never got as far as calculus at school. It is a complete black box and a mystery to me. Um, and it seemed, it feels actually quite embarrassing that I, I don't know anything about it. And all of those things I failed at despite trying quite hard. So all I would say is there's no harm in trying. It's absolutely not lost time. And if it's all you need is a few early wins and that's usually enough to light the fire. And one of the most inspiring people was a cellist that I played with in an orchestra in London when I was at medical school. And this was a very cool orchestra. Instead of practicing a set pieces for three months at a time and then having a concert, what we would do is play a new piece every night. We would sight read through it, spend two or three hours practicing it, bring it together and just perform it for ourselves. So by the end of the night, you'd be performing, you know, Beethoven's Fifth or, you know, Brahms Symphony. And it was just a joy. And this cellist was a better cellist than I was a violinist. I'd been playing the violin since I was four. So maybe 16, 17 years at that point. She was in her seventies. She'd only started playing the cello six years previously and she was phenomenal. So. If you want to, you can. If you've learned language, if you've learned maths, you can certainly do this. And it's, I think, not being afraid to fail because um, you haven't lost anything by trying. No, it's a terrible word. It gets used too much, probably. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for telling us about some of this today. It's really fascinating. And I'm definitely going to be checking out your Twitter feed in the hopes of catching some of these drawings in progress. Thank you so much, Dr. Chickway. Oh, thank you for giving me the chance to think about um, something which I wish I'd spent more time thinking about a lot longer ago. Bye. Bye thank bye. you. I don't know about you, but I am certainly inspired to spend less time on social media this year and maybe more time on the creative endeavors that both balance and enrich my professional life. I couldn't quite quit Twitter completely, of course, because I need to watch out for those anatomical drawings she mentions for annals. Please visit TCTMD to catch up on the meeting content I mentioned in my intro. Looking ahead to February, we'll have stories from the International Stroke Congress early in the month, then from the CRT meeting a few weeks later. If you have any feedback on TCTMD or this podcast, or maybe know of other cardiologists or cardiothoracic surgeons juggling medicine and the arts, please reach out. You can find my email on my bio on tctmd.com or reach out on Twitter where I am Shelley Wood too. Thank you for listening to Heart Sounds. Do you love listening to Heart Sounds? Check out all new original content from TCTMD featuring Talking Points with Dr. C. Michael Gibson and Rocks Art Radio with Dr. Roxanne Moran. All new episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud.